Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither are D&D games. <laughs> God, I swear to God, you should be driving a black van. <laughs> Justin's being a real penis today. <laughs> oh, God. Thanks for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your rules don't matter. That's right. Your rules are like a world without any monstrous races. <laughs> we got a really great show for you guys today, but like every episode, we like to start off on a high note, and we do that by giving away fat loot. La 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 each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, Compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Brandon. What? Who's our winner today? Our winner today is Miss Herb21. Congratulations, Miss Herb21. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave Goblin Stone a review. Make sure it's four star. If it's anything less than that, they'll send a hit out for you. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, a four star. I got a three star. I got a rock. I got a rock. <laughs> <laughs> we have a really great show for you guys today. We uh, have a question from Brian S. in regards to warlocks. Our main topic today is monstrous races, which I'm super excited for. And of course, we close out with our final segment, our unearthed tips and tricks, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. But before all that, we spend a few minutes talking about what's going on in our realms. Brandon, what's going on in your realm? Well, I'm moving back the first shift. Uh, that's going to be cool and nice. I won't have to go straight to work after our D&D nights or after Woo! recordings. Woo-hoo! <laughs> uh, I got some new cubes. Thanks to the wife. She's like, oh, you've been working extra hard. I want you to go ahead and go to the cubicle and get yourself a new cube. That stuff. Uh, I'm going to have to <laughs> stop with the monthly art and the tokens. There's just not enough time of the day for me to sit down and get them done. With the exception of course for paid commissions because they paid for that shit so they need to get done yeah. so Savard, i still got your stuff i'm gonna be doing the yeah get it well, get it stuff. while he can do it <laughs> i mean if you pay me i'll still do it it's just that i can't be drawing winners every month now yeah if only if it was the equivalent of spending 15 plus hours a week working on something and what's going on in your realm well the biggest thing i did actually was uh this weekend <laughs> i went to a board game event in the midland at the game island over there it was fun. Actually, uh, a couple of people uh, that I used to know back in Mount Pleasant, they go there. So, actually, one works there, too. So, go figure. But we had fun. <laughs> played a few games and actually brought my copy of me as a Masterminds over there. And everybody who played it besides me played it for the first time. And they actually enjoyed it quite a bit. So, Well, it sounds like you had a lot of fun. I did. Justin, what's going on in your room? Um, been really busy working on the next uh, projects. I'm trying to finish up the writing so I can get it uh, submitted to an editor for the Underwater Adventure. And then uh, I've been picking out artwork for it, and I'm also working on Words of Power, which is a spellcasting chants and magical words. So, for instance, uh, in some of my characters in the past, I've used magical words just to make it sound interesting. Um, for instance, Eldritch Blast was Valen Idil, or Power of the Pact is the chant, you know. And so I'm working on putting something together for all of the spells in the player's handbook. So that's fucking taking forever. So what kind of words form Captain Planet? I don't know, but I would love to find out. <laughs> Earth, fire, wind, Ashaka. Ashaka. Anyways, um, so I've been spending a lot of time on that, so I hope to, to get that stuff out soon. I think that'll do it for In the Realm. Brandon, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do so? Uh, you can visit other realms by going to CritAcademy.com, where we have a link to Audible.com. You can get a free 30-day uh, trial for them, and they will give you a free ebook there as well. And we suggest you go to our website to click the link, too, because if you do that, it benefits us. 
Yes, and we're super happy for that. <laughs> our next topic is our Let's Talk About Blank segment, where we answer listener-submitted questions. This question comes from Brian S. How would you address a player who wants to abandon their warlock patron? Ian, you want to take the reins first? I would just say that they just they still have, have, have the juice. They just can't level up more. Doesn't their power come from the patron, though? Yeah. So you're saying that they still, even though they abandon their patron, they would still have their power, they just wouldn't be able to gain any well, more power? Yeah, they've already been given the power. So Okay, that's interesting. What about you, Brandon? You go to use uh, Elder's Bolt, <laughs> and nothing happens. <laughs> Puff of smoke. Oh dear. If that's your power source, then it doesn't matter how many spells you know, or that you can do them. If you don't have the power to do it, then you can't do it. <laughs> I mean, like the way I see it, like uh, like like I said, they already have the power. They're just giving more power as they level up more. Yeah, then, uh, then you should find uh, another patron to help or punish them for that by saying, okay, so you got this new patron, but next time you get a, a slot for a new spell, you don't get it. <laughs> I honestly, I, I had a different answer, but I think... Um... I think uh, I think Ian's little comment might have drawn me in a different direction. What was your original idea? So personally, I would I agree I would agree with Brandon generally, and this is what I this is what I thought going into it. That's your character uncommon. would lose. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> your character would start to lose their power. I don't think I would do it right away. I would think the more they use it, like the Green Lantern, the more it dissipates until they find a new source, a new pact. Right? That's like All Might. Ex- yes. Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of did imply it right away, though. And he already says, I'm not sure as I used to be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so, it, and that's the way I originally thought of it. Um, and I think that you actually kind of changed me that they wouldn't lose it, you know, right away. But maybe they wouldn't gain no power. Um, I mean, to me, it's kind of like like uh, when you learn, learn martial arts as a monk, and you just, and your master doesn't decide to teach you no more. I mean, you still have your knowledge and your experience. Right, but mm. their knowledge isn't where their power comes from. Like, they literally are filtering power. Like, I imagine, like, a like a, like a beam, of invisible beam of energy is is coming from their patron, and they're they're siphoning it off like little leeches. Right, but, I mean, I, I'm saying that's, like, my general concept behind it, though. Yeah. Like, kind of like how, how in that case, they'd be or being given the training. It's like, well, you've already given the power, so, ha! Yeah, when going into it, I honestly agreed 100% with Brandon, but you listen to your argument, I think, uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't leave them at it, but I would let their power decrease over time, like maybe over a 10-day or even a month, um, and that way it would give them time to find another pack, and, and I would describe it as they're, they're, you try to use that, and the, you can't reach the power or something like that. And what if you can't get no more pack? <laughs> Yeah, or maybe maybe there's a maybe they want to change classes, and maybe you give them the option to change into a sorcerer. They've learned to tap into this inner energy that they store or something. I don't know, but or I or, or better yet, because uh, I could also imagine that there's yes, they're taking the power off the patron, right? But as when the patron goes, they still have that power within them, so they can use their spell slots. But once their spell slots are gone, they don't get them back. Oh, that's cool too. I like that. Which is p- really crappy for a warlock. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty rough. So uh, Savard actually says that's it right. could kind of be like the the wild mage. Um, maybe rolling on the wild magic table as they're trying to still connect to that power, and it's becoming unreliable. I really like that too. That's a really good one. Ooh. Uh, for those of you who read the Wheel of Time, the way magic works in there is I'll simplify it, but there's basically two halves of like the one power that like the mages they draw their magic from. There's like the male half and the female half. But like part, of, he's part of the lore that was the male half centuries earlier got corrupted big time by like the big villain that you never really encountered because he's like more of a concept like Satan, if you will. But, right, right. But the, the problem there though was like every time men use a power, they actually start to get hunted down because they eventually go insane because of that. Oh, jeez, that's crazy. <laughs> and and that's the lucky ones. <laughs> if you don't go insane, you start r- 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 rotting away. Oh God, that's like some dark magic shit. So, you could do a similar thing like that, too. Right. Okay, you still get my magic, but I'm going to add a little something extra. <laughs> um, I do think that what would come into play is why they are abandoning their warlock as well. Um, are they leaving the warlock because their character is evolving and changing their beliefs, and they don't like what that patron support stands for? Um, either they they were good and now becoming evil, or they're evil and now becoming good, or something like that. Or is it a meta thing where they don't like the class that they picked? Which I can kind of um, get because, yep. like, I've lost it how many times? Like, um, I'm level nine, and I cast two spells, and that's it. <laughs> that and Eldritch Blast. I feel like I should have way more more than that this level. <laughs> yeah, and you you don't really. 
think that'll do it for this question. Uh, Brian, thank you for the submission. We hope we answered your question. Moving on to our main topic today. I'm really excited today. Um, we are going to be discussing Monstrous Races by Tyler Kamstra. Um, this is one of only 12 adamantine level bestsellers on the DMs Guild. It means it's a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep in mind, there are thousands of pieces of content on the DMs Guild, and this is one of 12 at the highest tier. Da, 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 da. That says a lot about the quality of the, the, the content. <laughs> if you're interested, we have a link in our show notes uh, for the book. Um, it's got an affiliate link, so we get a small kickback if you do purchase it through either our website or through our link, so please do. Uh, going out a turn. What do you mean? First it's you, then me, then Simmons, then me, then you, then me, <laughs> then me again, and then Simmons again, then me, then Simmons, then you. Doesn't that mean you get more? Shut up. That is blue. So... Whether you're playing an all-monster party or you just want to play a monstrous race in an otherwise normal party, this document presents rules for playing every creature in the monster manual. The first one. Yes. Yep. Is there more than one? Well, those guys in the... Yeah, but they're not called monster manuals, right? Well, I'm just saying it's other material. Yeah. That's it includes awesome. new feats <laughs> and backgrounds for monstrous characters, analysis of officially published races, highly detailed rules for building your own races, new races for... T- uh, new rules for tiny races, and rules and templates for player characters. So, 5K? 5K. <laughs> I don't get it. Tiny races. Oh, my God. <laughs> that took me way too long to get. Uh, I got it. Um, oh, that so, gets to be a 100-yard dash. <laughs> so this is this is a, a massive undertaking that uh, Tyler has done. Starting with 228 playable races, no exceptions out of the Monster Manual, which is awesome. And on a side note, quite a few of those races had to get huge overhauls. Oh, yeah. In order to do this. <laughs> 116 sub-races. 13 templates for player characters, including new rules for lycanthropes and vampires. Design notes discussing how everything in the document was built and suggestions for changing everything to fit your game. Rules for tiny, large, huge, and gargantuan player races. New feats. New backgrounds. Analysis of all the official published races with suggestions for ways to alter them. Extensive race builder rules for building your own races, including two new race designs from the ground up to show you how it works. Monger folk and animated tomes. And template builder <laughs> rules for building your own templates for player characters. Now, I wonder if we can use that race builder to build a dual-hand. <laughs> this book is big. Yeah. <laughs> it is 300 pages. Lots of material. Um, and I mean, it would have to be for all those characters. Now, obviously, we can't possibly go through and talk about every single race. But what we have done is each picked a few of our favorites and are going to work our way through those. First of all, what are your guys' overall thoughts of this this product before we even get into our character races? It definitely adds a lot more options to the players and in the GM. And that's always a good thing in my book. And they and obviously a lot of thought went into this product as well, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was a lot of work. I think this is a book that has been needed for a very long time because almost everyone I know is at one point wanted to play as a monster. Yeah, <laughs> you're very, very right on that. Um, I want to play as a dragon. The closest they came to was goblins and kobolds. <laughs> I want to play as a dragon. You can't play as a dragon. But the game's called Dungeons and Dragons. You fight the dragons. I want to fight the dragon. I want to be the dragon. We'll want to be friends with the dragons. Can't be a dragon that fights a dragon? <laughs> what? No. Oh, jeez. Um, there's a lot of tweaking, and, and, and Ian kind of touched on it earlier, that needed to be done for um, this to be balanced balanced for players to use in-game. So when you go into this, you have to keep that in mind that they're nowhere near as potent or as powerful as the monster manual. Like the the few creatures in there, such as like centaurs or the giants that were... Large sizes are bigger, but they downsize them all to medium, for example. Yep, to keep it within the, the realm of the player races. To not um, be broken. <laughs> and they've also added special features such for like tiny creatures and, and rules and stipulations for dealing with how they wield weapons and stuff like that. And It gives you all those really big uh, details, and we'll get into more of those as we go because they're farther in the back of the book. And we really want to get right to the nitty-gritty um, at this point. So first on our list is a monster chosen by Ian. Ian, what monster did you choose and why? I chose the Flame Skull because the idea of being a floating skull was a fun idea. 
I immediately think of Doom. See when it means when he when I see flame skull, even though I know what it is as a a creature, yep. um, just a floating skull with fire around it. Yep. I always think uh, Ghost Rider for some reason. So, do you want to tell us more about the the special traits and features of the flame skull player right. race? Yep. First off, for obvious reasons, because you're a flaming skull, you're undead. So, you, so no food, no air, no nothing. You get a plus one to Dex and Intelligence, and uh, they're usually kind of evil when doubling dark magic, because, I mean, you're a floating flaming skull, and your <laughs> size is shiny, your speed's zero, because, well, you're a freaking skull. But you do have resistance to cold and fire damage, and you can fly 40 feet and hover. <laughs> that, that's pretty useful. <laughs> also, uh... And you actually shed light in those 10-foot rays, because you're a flaming skull! <laughs> try, try being a flaming skull rogue. <laughs> I got a floating torch. I'm trying to be stealthy. You fucking glow. <laughs> and they're also immune to uh, being prone and paralyzed. Go figure. It's a great way to hide. But they also can't wear armor and they can't wield any items or weapons because they have no freaking hands. <laughs> so you're starting to see some of the... Uh... <laughs> the the restrictions, right? Yep. As a rogue, you blow out a brazier and then you sit in it. <laughs> People just think that that's what you are. Just think you're just a, 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 a skull, flaming skull brazier. Oh, and they also know Firebolt and Mage Hand. <laughs> what is that called? That's the recalled magic, right? Yep, recalled oh. magic. And I love it. Another reason why I love this was because I came up with the castle and my head, which fell apart because no, just no Duahans in here. One player plays a flaming, a flame skull. One player plays a Duahan, so you basically act as his head. <laughs> <laughs> and then a third player plays as a nightmare. You can buy and form Voltron. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a death knight! <laughs> Bluff. Bluff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bluffing. And this will say, though, this uh, race tends to lean a little bit towards the magic casting for really obvious reasons. Yeah, well, you <laughs> missed all this ability here, too, this rejuvenation. Yeah, that too. Uh, upon falling to <laughs> zero hit points, you immediately stabilize while unconscious. Uh, if you take damage uh, in which is insufficient to kill you, you suffer a death saving throw, uh, failure as normal, but you remain stabilized. Uh, after one hour being unconscious, you stabilize and regain one hit point. No organ suckers. Yeah, you just you just <laughs> come back to life. That is dope. Like, how awesome is that? As long as they don't continue to stab you in the skull and break some shit. Um, it also says that you can read, write, and speak common. So. Oh, yeah. The other idea of, of a flame skull was, I read Justin Files, and I like Bob. In the Justin Files book series, there's a character named Bob. He's a, he's a skull. <laughs> Brandon, can you tell us about playing a flame skull? Oh, let's see. Playing the flame skull. Flame skulls are uh, natural wizards. Their ability to fly and their resist- resistances help them to remain out of harm's way, but they lack natural armor. With, uh, and without the ability to wear armor, their AC can be problematic. Flame skulls are often bound to obey evil masters, which provides an easy way to work them into a party. <laughs> I'm the necromancer. Ian, do you want to be my flaming skull companion? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Alternatively, flame skulls, which are no longer able to fulfill their given orders, become independent and oh. are free to pursue whatever goals they choose. Since flame skulls have vague recollections of their previous life, consider who your character was before their death and use it to inform your character's personality. Shoot, the fact that you're probably brought to life and used as a servant can probably uh, lead to some RP elements as well. And yes, Tater, he is a bonehead. <laughs> you just imagine a flame skull just sitting there in his master dice and goes, I'm free! And just looks around. What do I do with myself? <laughs> Go sit in a brazier? <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> just watch. Um, so this is a really interesting one you chose, uh, Ian. I like the fact that it's just a floating head. Yeah. The fact that you can't wield weapons and armor and stuff means it does limit your class options, but that's the whole flavor of the character anyway. Yep. Um, they recommend wizard here, but honestly, I wonder why. I would. I would probably take sorcerer over wizard. Even a spellcaster of some kind. Yeah. Even mm. though you get the intelligence bonus, I would probably do a a, a, a sorcerer instead, just for the the twinning effects. Uh, I think this is really cool. I love the idea of you just being a, a floating head and maybe. You know, there's so much immunity to this thing. It's immune to paralyze. It's immune to petrify. It's immune to prone Gu- condition. It's immune to poison. Guess they had the game. Yeah, I like what Severus really? says. Oh Ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I like what Severus saying is that there's lots of RP options. Oh, yeah. There oh, really yeah, is. Because sure. yeah. you're, you're in a world where you are something that is insanely uncommon to see and people are gonna look at you with extreme prejudice <laughs> a floating head excuse me miss have you seen your ah! 
Like, he, he goes to a pub to get a drink, and they just start batting at him, and they kick him out. It's like, well, this sucks. This is bullshit. <laughs> Happens to drow. I um, got gold. Why can't I use it? <laughs> Where do I keep it? <laughs> um, <laughs> a purse inside my head. <laughs> I mean, for that matter, too, though, like, because spit. you can't wear armor of any kind. <laughs> he keeps his coin pouch inside of his uh, skull, so he just spits out gold coins. <laughs> 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 How do you do that? Give a bag of holding my head. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you shove a spear up into his mouth and it disappears. Where'd it go? I don't know. Actually, connect the bag of holding to his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he hovers, so I don't know how weight limits work for that, I suppose. How awesome would the idea would that be? You're sitting there and you're guzzling down drink after drink, and then you take it to another place and you bottle it for yourself and resell it. <laughs> Oh, I got an idea. If you're a uh, if you're a flame skull, yeah, you're small enough to fit in somebody's pack. You yep. could move your movement to pop out, blast somebody, then hide back in their pack for full for nearly full cover. Taylor thinks he's you, this guy needs to fight Dennis. <laughs> Dennis. Dennis. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Wasn't then, he a skull fornicator? Yes. Yeah. Oh like yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect match. The orc. Lover of skulls. Yeah, lover of skull. <laughs> Wait, did you just say his name is Skullfucker? <laughs> <laughs> they get done with their 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 event. And he's like, man, it burns. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Get both eyes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what you talk? <laughs> All right, guys. So the next monster we have is the Intellect of Hour. These little bastards are my favorite. If you don't know what Intellect of Hour is. They're basically a walking brain, like a, a brain with like clawed paws and shit, and they climb inside and take over take over your players, which is dope. So here are the following racial traits. Um, your creature type is Aberration. You get a dex increase of plus one. They are pets created to uh, by mind flayers to serve their tyrannical masters. Most intellect devourers are lawful evil. Um, the size is tiny. That's another tiny one, right? Yeah. Um, your base speed is 35. These little buggers are fast. Jeez. They have blind sense since they have no eyes and are blind and therefore immune to the blind condition. You have blind sight up to 30 feet. That is incredibly useful. Yeah. Well, if it's called flies, <laughs> <laughs> the big ability you get is body thief. If you would reduce a humanoid creature to zero hit points with your devour intellect, you may attempt to seize control of the creature's body as a bonus action. Initiate an intelligence contest with the target. If you win the contest, instead of dealing the psychic damage normally dealt by Devour Intellect, you magically consume the target's brain. Teleport into the target's skull and take control of the target's body. While inside the creature, you have total cover against attacks and other effects originating outside of the host. You retain your intelligence, wisdom, and charisma scores, as well as an understanding of deep speech, your telepathy, and your traits. You otherwise adopt the target's statistics. <laughs> There's a lot with this. You may remain inside the host for a number of rounds equal to the creature's intelligence score. Uh, during this time, you may access the creature's mind and memories each round. You may do one of the following. Cast one of the creature's spells using the appropriate casting time for that spell. Speak in a language that the creature speaks as a free action. Recall one specific memory or a piece of information in which the creature knows as a bonus action. After you use this ability, you can't use it again until you complete a short or long rest. Claws. Your unarmed strikes deal 1d8 slashing damage on hit. You can use a dexterity instead of strength for the attack and damage rolls of your unarmed strikes. Your unarmed strikes count as a weapon with a finesse property. That's what that's important. Um, for all the effects which require it, such as sneak attack. Dur -dur -dur. Next up, you have Devour Intellect. As an action, you can target uh, one creature that you can see within 10 feet of you and which has a brain. The target must succeed on an intelligent saving throw or take 1d6 psychic damage. The DC for the save is 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your intelligence mod. The damage increases by 1d6 as you, and increases as you hit higher levels. Look, Ma, no hands. You are unable to wield weapons uh, or wear shields and cannot use items which require manipulation, which includes spellcasting, focus, wand, foci, wands and tools, etc. Telepathy, you can communicate telepathically with any creature that knows a language within 30 feet, and you 
understand, and read. Undercommon. That's a lot. As we were reading, like, the uh, eat brain ability and the habit of the body, I kept on thinking, like, uh, all right, barbarian, come here. Wow, there's lots of room in here. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get too much into playing an intellect of our, what do you guys think about this? Night of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I think it's interesting. The, 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 the more intelligence the creature has, it appears, that you can maintain control of their body longer. But there's still a very short limit on how long you can hold control of them. Yep. I mean, an intelligence of 10 means a minute, right? But for a minute, you're like a druid. You take on the complete different form of another creature and all of its properties. Yep. But what I think is really interesting is the fact you acquire its knowledge. Because that's half the battle when sneaking into bases and stuff is trying to figure out where everything's at. Do if you, do. you take over a patrol who knows all the routes, you instantly know exactly how to get where you're going. I think it can perform a chain if you're fast enough. Uh, how long is uh, one round? Six seconds. Six yep. seconds, generally. So you can kill somebody in less than a minute in six in, in a combat, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you, you just... Just body hopping? You just keep doing that. Just keep body hopping through a fortress. What I, I think is cool about it is it can throw off confusion and um, allow you to break into into locations that otherwise... It would you would obviously stand out as a adventurer, right? Yep. If an adventurer breaks into a Knoll's fortress, they're probably going to be the only person that's not a Knoll or Goblinoid of sorts. But if you're this body snatcher and you're jumping from Knoll to Knoll to Goblin to Goblin, you'd be like, yeah, oh, uh, I think you went that way. <laughs> Everyone just <laughs> chase it and you go the other way to the boss room. You Am know? I the only one now thinking about that one episode of uh, Rick and Morty? You're talking about the one where Rick keeps jumping from Rick to Rick? Yes. Yeah, that's a good episode. <laughs> What kind of classes do you guys think would be good with this? Rogue. Rogue. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> so is, that's just straight straightforward. Yeah, they say uh, playing an intellect of our is a complicated creature. It's nimble and fast, which makes it a great monk or rogue. Its blind sight allows you to easily locate hidden and invisible enemies, but the short range means that the intellect of our uh, is often blind to nearby foes. The Devour Intellect and Body Thief allow the Intellect Devourer to subdue foes with psychic damage, then seize control of the body with of its humanoid. While controlling the humanoid in this way, the Intellect Devourer can use many of the creature's abilities, including its spellcasting. I'm and now picturing an argument between a flame skull and an Intellect Devourer. You know, I think it would be a perfect <laughs> event for one of these things. What's that? If they were a rogue assassin and they got a contract... Saying, if you can assassinate the king and make it look like an accident, we'll give you a bunch of gold. And while he's sleeping, you, yep. you kill him somehow. You take his brain and you jump out the window. I really think this is a fantastic class. I think that it, not only being a uh, a rogue or a um, monk, I also think it would be a very cool um, a potential wizard. Because you could use a lot of the magical features mm -hmm. to make you faster, like Expeditious Retreat. Or um, mirror image or, you know, things like that that would allow you to gain an advantage on the foes you're attacking. Um, telep Misty Step, getting right next to somebody and taking them over as quickly as you can. Definitely being a rogue, though, you can get more damage in quickly as well. So yep. <laughs> I can totally see me, like, hi once again, hiding inside a pack and then waiting as it's, uh, you know, about to go down, jump out and, you know, claw it or something, knocking it unconscious and then stealing its... Uh, it's body. That's just, that sounds so awesome. Should I be flaming skull or I'll eat your brain? Ha! Jokes on you, you skull effer. I have no brain. Skull <laughs> effer. Get, <laughs> so you're an airhead. Shut up! Alright, what's, what's the other, what's the monster you wanted to uh, discuss, Brandon? I have chosen the Spectre. So tell us a little bit about the Spectre, Brandon. Uh, the Spectre. Uh, spirits of mortals denied the release of the afterlife. Spectres are trapped in the material plane where their rage and sorrow drive them to murder the living. I bet you you're undead. Most likely. <laughs> this is be a theme. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. Uh, the Spectre's traits, so let's see, the Spectre shares the following racial traits. A creature type, which is undead. <laughs> Duh. You don't require air, food, drink, or sleep. Instead, you are entered a restful state, remaining semi-conscious for four hours a day. While resting, you can dream after a fashion. Such dreams are reflexive mental exercises inherent to your consciousness. After resting this way, you gain the same benefit that human does from eight hours of sleep. I'm pretty sure that's what all undead have there 
See, ability, ability score increases is plus one to the dexterity. Your alignment is evil. Man, just, just, just it's e- almost just like evil. most of the monsters are evil. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> Not all of them. Murderous though. spirits. Most specters are chaotic evil, and that's the best kind of evil. <laughs> uh, your size is medium. Your speed, uh, your base walking speed is 30 feet. You get dark vision. Which is good. And so you can see within 60 feet. And in the darkness, as if it were just dim light. You can't discern color in darkness, only shades of gray. Like like so, Brandon? So more than 50? I actually imagine that there's people who believe, well, what, what does that matter? And it's like, well, if a rogue is wearing a bright red cloak, but it still appears gray, and they're against a wall. <gasps> Do you know what's important? Blue flower, flower red thorns. <laughs> Blue flower red thorns? <laughs> this would be so much better if I wasn't colorblind. <laughs> Uh, deathly resistance. Uh, you have resistance to necrotic damage. You are immune to poison condition and to poison damage, which is always fun. Uh, you get flight, so you have the flying speed of a, of uh, 30 feet. Uh, to use the speed, you can't, of course, be wearing medium or heavy armor. Uh, you get life drain. Let you wear awesome. light armor, though. You can wear light armor. I, as a spectral, I just always thought you'd be incorporeal. They huh. probably... That's the way I've always seen them, too. They probably just had to ba- balance it that way. Yeah. I mean, they're... Like, I am made of ectoplasm. I, I cannot wear any armor. They probably mentioned the, the <laughs> design notes. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, you get the life drain. As an action, you may make a melee spell attack. This attack deals 1d8 necrotic damage. This damage increases to 2d8 at 5th level, uh, 3 at 11, uh, and 4 at 17. And charisma is your spellcasting ability for this attack. Sunlight sensitivity, that sucks. Oh, that, that's lame. I, I thought the life drain ability like gave you HP. For obvious reasons, it can't uh, I, heal yeah, you. I guess it had to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, they do have sunlight sensitivity, which does kind of blow. <laughs> and for those who don't know, it, it sucks. Uh, you have disadvantage on attack rolls and on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight. When you, the target of your attack, or whatever you are trying to perceive, is in direct sunlight. You have disadvantage on attack rolls and on wisdom perception uh, checks that rely on sight. When you, the target of your attack at whatever you are trying to perceive is in direct sunlight. Why'd they put that in there twice? I don't know. I don't know. But that does suck. Because you just gotta remain out at night. That's it. Yep. Well, it doesn't say mount at night. You're just punished if you aren't. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you and get of languages. of course the languages is uh, you can understand, read, and write in common and one other language of your choice. So this is really cool. What kind of classes do you think would work best with this? Rogue. Wizards. I think he'd be a good magic user. You think so? Yeah, he gets uh, ability score to his dex, so... That fits with, like, a rogue or a monk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I just thought about some really morbid ways to roleplay of <laughs> Spectre. <laughs> How so? Uh, stuff you probably shouldn't really joke about is what came to mind, but... <laughs> like, okay, the example I'm going to use is... Uh, do either one of you watch uh, Supernatural? <laughs> yes. I've seen up to season nope. six. Do you remember that episode when they, with the wishing coin, where it twists and raises uh, witches? Yep. Remember the, the teddy bear? Yeah, the little girl wished for a teddy bear and got a suicidal one. <laughs> and it couldn't die because of the stuffed animal. Blow it out of stuffing. With a shot shotgun in its mouth, yeah. It pulls the trigger, makes that squeak sound. Um. You're a specter? Yeah, I tried to kill myself, but I came back as a specter. I'm still stuck here. Why can't I die? That's what Uh, I mean by (laughs) um, it. See see what I mean? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Um, So, according to, uh, so they say as playing a specter, you know, specters are murderous, evil creatures that, you know, only go out at night and their ability to fly and... Their increased dexterity makes them excellent rogues, allowing for them to surprise and kill unwary victims. Spectres have no ties to their former lives, except for known languages, which is interesting. Their motivations are almost always exclusively violent. (laughs) Imagine that. Um, So it's difficult to compel them to join a party. Still, they might elect to join a party with a spellcaster or a wraith which originally created the specter. Or with some other creature that who has the ability to control undead. 
Um, this goes really in tandem with what we were talking about earlier, having like a necromancer player as one and then uh, a specter as uh, another. And I think that kind of goes in, ta- in tandem with a lot of these different things is you can find a way to make them interact. Like I could, if we decided as you wanted to play as a specter and say, okay, I'm playing a necromancer, Ian's playing a specter and, and Brandon's playing a, an undead ghoul or something or a wraith. Screw you. I'm playing a flame skull. Well, okay, you're playing a flame school. You could have a party of one spellcasting player, like normal, like wizard, and then the rest are these monstrous, his little monstrous entourage, which I think would be really cool. And you could really build a really good experience around that. Yeah, death head, kill this guy. You're not my boss. Yes, I am. Dang it. Now, there is something I have been seeing in this book that I don't understand. What? Uh, what is BP? So bell points. Build so points. um build points. I'm glad you actually build I'm glad you points. uh actually asked that there um so in order to make these races um these these monsters into playable races they had to develop some sort of building technique and so they devised a build point system and they tried to target between 8 to 10 points and different features give different num- consume a certain number of points and that was kind of the way that they balanced it um going forward and they talk a lot about that in the book i'm not going to go into the details of it um but they did a pretty good job like uh ian said earlier there was extensive changes that needed to be done but in any case you get to play these and you do get some of the iconic powers that they that those monsters you know have usually usually it's just kind of like on par like in, in call of duty how you get the so many points of spending when you're creating a class you're like, okay, yes. I really want this gun, but if I get this gun, I can't carry three grenades. Very, very much so. That's exactly, that's a really good uh, example. Okay. For instance, with the Mind Flayer, you get, you know, their Mind Blast technique, but you also can, you know, devour their brain with Extract Brain. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> but it's got all the rules and stuff for that. So you can play these different, you know, classical races that are these classical monsters to really get that feel, and they did a really good job of kind of capturing that. Thanks for that comment. Now picture man, you're playing a harpsichord. <laughs> classical music. Oh. <laughs> um, I think, like I said, there is so much content in this book. That, uh, Tyler did a phenomenal job going through and just building up the greatness of these monsters. You know, he went beyond that. There's some monsters that he gives much less detail on, um, but in many cases they already exist as playable be, races, so. right? Mm-hmm. And so he gives ver- they give variants on those, which I think is interesting. So, and I'm not we're not going to go into too much detail on those. Hey, do they have a version that orc has orcish resilience? Um, <laughs> let's find out. I want to have a single creature within this book that is not evil or a- neutral. There's a, there, angels. There's there's a lot of creatures that aren't evil. So a lot of them can be neutral. Oh, that's just the angel in there, did isn't it? It's like the first entry. Yep. Okay. Um, that's, that's I don't. I don't see. Uh, I don't see orcish resilience. But they give that's a, one thing that was not about. Okay, so do the half breeds have orcish resilience, but the full blooded <laughs> orcs do not? Right. What is this crap? <laughs> um. So yeah. So they have the. They go into a lot of detail on the build point system. Um. So you can convert your own monsters if you want. If you've got monsters that you've created homebrew or that you have for from you know old old um supplements um it gives you really good techniques for building those and the limitations that come with them whether it's this creature has no arms so you get a bonus for that or this creature has you know no flying so you know so all those things kind of go in tandem and and give you i mean there's a lot of detail in this from you know the range of blind sight the higher it is the more bp it costs you know so they did huh. it's quite an interesting uh so you can uh, make calculation. A, so you can make your own, I don't know, doula hand, for, exi- yeah. for example? Yeah, if you wanted. You certainly could. Um, and they break down all the features and all the different abilities, like flyby and grab, grab and grappler and magic resistance, and they all have these, this point system. So you can build whatever race you want and still keep it within uh, balance, which I think is, in, which is really cool. And they do go on to talk about their own custom races, like the mongrel folk, which is pretty cool. But, um, and, and you know... But wait, there's more. Um, they also have a template builder. So creating a template using rules presented in this document is similar in many ways to creating new races. So basically you create a template for a certain type of monster like, okay, I'm going to use all these abilities for undead characters, right? Um, and you can set up the, the template in advance saying, okay, all of the undead are going to have these same three features. So this is how many points I have to change everything else. 
I'm not once again. I'm not gonna. There's a lot of numbers here. If you're a number cruncher, this is a, your dream because there's lots of numbers here. <laughs> numbers. That's work. That's work. Um, I don't want more of math stuff. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find the feet section. Anybody know where it's at? In your shoes. Usually in your shoes. I hate you guys. Have you looked in your socks? <laughs> so, uh, in addition to all the monsters that you have action to, they actually have some feats. For example, one that uh, jumped out at me was Mighty Breath. Your breath weapon has exceptionally fearsome. The prerequisite is that your racial is you have a breath weapon. So, obviously, dragons. or You can even give this to Dragonborn, I suppose, if you wanted. It says you increase the die size of the damage dealt by your breath weapon, which, by the way, Dragonborn needs it. Yeah. <laughs> they really nerfed the breath weapon. <laughs> yeah, it really it really needed it. Um if the breath weapon deals multiple damage dice, 2d6, 3d8, they all increase in size, which is fantastic. And you may use your breath weapon twice before requiring a short or long rest. Increase the dice size of your breath weapon. So if you're like a red dragon, got a Taco Bell, and <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Or you're some Mexican, <laughs> um, and they come with they come with a, a small collection of like a half a dozen feats or so. Um, they also give several uh, background examples. One of which I think was really cool was the Exile, which fits the monster theme. Um, and honestly, this reminds me of Dritz Doerden um, from the Dritz series. Uh, if you're an Exile, no longer welcome among your kind. You have abandoned your home and tried to survive. Uh, Try to survive the world on your own. Perhaps you will return home again someday. But for now, you must live among people whose ways are foreign to you. Um, and so that really, to me, fit the, the Drids to Orden feel. So there's several different uh, backgrounds that you could take, too, that is really dope. And it comes with, you know, the ideals and the, and the um, additional features, like for Exiles, cast out. And it gives you a little D8 roll. And you could pick one that says, I'm committed to an unforgivable, I committed an unforgivable crime or unforgivable crime. Or I angered an influential figure or something along those lines. Uh, or I faked my own death. That's dope. Oh, that could be a character concept. I love that. Or, or if you're playing the undead character, maybe you uh, succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like the kamikaze guys, the, the terrorists. Uh, like Ahmed, my wife and I just went and seen Jeff Donham, so Ahmed, the dead terrorist. Maybe you succeeded. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's really good. I like that. <laughs> so overall, what are your guys' impressions of this this book? I like it. I kind of want to make my own characters out of this thing. I want to run that flame skill. So I'm thinking, and <laughs> if the patrons are listening to this, I think patron game, the extra credit game, I think I might let them all run monsters from this. If you're going to do that, I want to somehow be a part of that. Same. Well, you know, we got to make sure the patrons fill out, but I'll keep you guys posted. But I think it would be yeah, really you cool. Know, you can let I the think patrons run... fill it out. Make us be NPCs. I think you uh, got Cyrus' attention. <laughs> Yeah, I see that. She's like, ooh. <laughs> um, I think that I'm going to do that, and I'm going to think I'm going to let him be evil. And I'm, maybe I'll have him like, defend a fort or something against oncoming adventurers, <laughs> which I think would be fantastic. But that's something that I'm brewing in my head right now. What's he saying? What's he saying? Uh, I got dibs on Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Getting Dust a new rung for each skull I get. <laughs> L-O-L. <laughs> uh, I think he said it's a new ring. All right. Well, I absolutely love this product. the The monster races is an, a, a a a wonderful tool to give you something different in your games. I recommend this book. Tyler Camstra did a phenomenal job. There's a link in our show notes. Pick up a copy for yourself. You you won't regret it. Or even better, oh my god, have your players run monsters with this, right? Yep. And they come up against heroes, these foes, and that night you kill them all. Next week, you have them develop new characters, and then you have to make them face themselves from last week. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> it's like, so wait, we killed ourselves? Technically. <laughs> that could be interesting. I like that. That should be impossible. Well, yeah, it should be. By my flaming skull that's flooding the air, it has no mind. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is evidence of the multiverse. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for our main topic uh, today. Definitely pick up your own copy of Monstrous Races. Before we move on to our final segment, we have another gift to give away, compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Loresmith. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends. 
finding incredible places and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Ian, who's our winner? Our winner today is... Lost Realm Rangers. Congratulations, Lost Realm Rangers. If you enjoy the adventure, please let Laura Smith know and leave him a review and tell him what you thought of the product. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Our character concept comes from Steve H. What the fuck? I am planning on running a bard whose performance in spellcasting is all dad jokes. Here are some examples. Uh, okay, so I'm a fighter. I'm hurt. Hi, hurt. I'm dad. Cure wounds. Oh, you're Hanzo. Who? I'm sorry, Genji. Genji. Uh. I need healing. <laughs> Here's the bard. Let's put an egg in our shoes and beat it as he casts Expeditious Retreat. What the fuck? Ian, how's that next one? I'm not mad, just disappointed. Vicious mockery. <laughs> there was nothing worse than actually hearing your father say something that like that. Being mad is way, way less than being disappointed. <laughs> you oh, I sound like an experience there, Brandon. Yeah, it's there. Uh, <laughs> you are, says that's him. You Pardon. are a failure at life. Just, just like I always knew you'd be. <laughs> I just want you to know that psychic attacks are all in your head. <laughs> <laughs> Is that another vicious mockery? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a werewolf. <laughs> werewolf Arr. is roaring. Roar. Why don't you give us a werewolf roar, uh, Brandon? Uh, if you insist on attacking us, we're going to end up making you a werewolf. A werewolf. Oh, God, kill me. A werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Mr. Dragon, you certainly should not devour us. I mean, think about it. That paladin probably tastes just lawful. Oh my god, so this is this is very similar to the, the Punisher thing we did. Oh, oh, Tater, your million is ever clear, because that's how you were conceived. <laughs> <laughs> your mama should have swallowed. <laughs> ever clear. I'm sorry, Stan, but your daddy should have been to come stand on Gram Gram's titties. <laughs> you know... I- you know, son, I had to give up my hopes and dreams, too. How long ago was that? How old are you? Oh, that's <laughs> you harsh. Know, you know what makes that worse? That's from a cartoon. I know. Oh, my God. That's from Fairly Odd Parents. What? That's like a 10-year-old yeah. show. It, 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 Timmy asks his dad that. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> I lost my hopes and dreams, too. What happened? How old are you? <laughs> or when did that happen? Or when, were you, when were you born? Um, what do you guys think about this uh, character concept? Uh, do you want the leading cause of dry skin is? Towels. Oh fuck, dude! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's really bad. Uh, I, what do you guys think about this character concept? It can be fun if you have nothing prepared in advance. Yeah, you would have right. to have a big, yeah. a big list uh, prepared. Sure. Um, that'll do it for our character concept from Steve H. Get dad jokes. The monster variant today is the swarm of electric eels. The origin is the swarm of poisonous snakes. New features, water breathing. The swarm can breathe only underwater. Go figure. Lightning aura. At the start of each of the swarm's turns, each creature within five feet of it takes 1d6 lightning damage. A creature that touches the swarm or hits it with a melee attack while within five feet of it takes 1d6 lightning damage. Can you guess where I got this from? Lumbering, man versus wild. No, I had to make. I had to make it. It's a trap in our new adventure. Okay, mm-hmm. there's there are literally entire rooms full of these things. So there's no guards. It's just eel, electric eels that are swimming around everywhere, and it just it's such a fun concept because really, the monsters themselves aren't like out to get the players. Like the players enter the area and start getting shocked to shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I'll get a charge of it. Ugh. <laughs> That's good. I'll give you that one. 
What do you think, Brandon? I think that this would just be an annoyance. Yeah. Then I have succeeded. I figured that's what you're going for. Yeah, because uh, I needed a way. I wanted them to. So the the obvious entrance when you're swimming towards a target is through the top, right? Yep. Well, this puts their one of their quest goals is right there, but it's right also surrounded by all this. So this is meant to be a turn deterrent to go find another way through. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's the plan. We'll see. Um, I like this. I think it's simple. Um, it creates uh, an an. It encourages the players not to just attack with swords, or if they do, they'll find themselves getting a shocking experience. Um, but it's very simple, very nice. The fact that it's a, a, a it's a swarm means it can share a square with somebody, and I just love this thing just moving and chasing people and, and occupying the same square. It'd be a lot of fun. Third, I hit the shock me. Why yell at them? Stop hitting it! I'm so mad at it. <laughs> That'll do it for our monster variant, the Swarm of Electric Eels. Ian, can you tell us about the encounter of the podcast? The encounter is from Kiroroid General, Percy's pet. <laughs> At an aristocrat's house on the porch sits a hog goblin, Percy Lassiter, in a big stuffed chair. At the foot of the stairs of the porch is a five-foot-tall stuffed little bunny rabbit with a bell on it. <laughs> At the side of the house is a stable. Hunched over is a, on the view is a hobgoblin that happens to have a stats of a hill giant named Malik. He's a wizard ex- experiment. <laughs> if the players interact with Percy, he utters a warning to Malik. Malik stands up and tears a chunk of horse and turns to the party and starts walking towards them. Messing with the bunny enrages Malik. So this is really interesting. Um, it was total coincidence we were talking about the big giant te- uh, teddy bear. Um, but this is kind of like that. <laughs> like that you've got this science experiment thing and with easter coming up this made sense to to toss this giant stuffed killer bunny and into the encounter um i think it's interesting because this could be an encounter that isn't designed to be something the players engage with they could just walk by uh, a, a house with a five foot tall bunny rabbit with a bell on it sitting outside uh, on this porch and you just mention it in passing just to see if the players are like wait what a giant stuffed bunny rabbit I'm going to go poke it with a stick. Oh, look at that. This is the last kid in the bunny rabbit. <laughs> it's meant to be something in passing, I think. I don't think it's meant to be um, just something that you sit in front. It's just when you're looking for like uh, an encounter filler. I think it's a filler. Yep. Um, I think that's what it's designed for. Hey, you're walking down the road, and there's the tavern on the left, and you see the inn uh, down straight away, and yep. to your right is a gentleman sitting on a porch with a giant stuffed teddy bear. His... It's filler, like half a bleach. Just half? <laughs> More like three quarters. Um, what do you guys think about the killer bunny rabbit? I mean, I'm, I'm instantly thought of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, personally. But... Well, keep in mind, it's not the uh, rabbit that's vicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I got it. It's the giant uh, well, it's the hobgoblin. Hobgoblin with the giant stats that comes barreling out and ripping horses apart. Yep. Like, that's hilarious. It's like, Rah! what do you think? <laughs> I think this is just a mind fuck. Why is that? <laughs> you walk by and you see this shit? <laughs> <laughs> Happy Easter. Why is there a five foot bunny rabbit there? So, uh, all right, well, that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast by Kilroy General, uh, Percy's pet. Don't go and poke at people's rabbits. <laughs> Cute little bunny. Brandon, would you like to tell them about our magic item? Our magic item is called the Phoenix Rebirth. It's a potion and it's very rare. Small, heatless tongues of flame lick the outside of a clear container. The inside burning with orange and red liquid flames. When you drink this potion, your body is wreathed in heatless flames taking on the form of fiery bird for an instant. For the next hour, the next time you are reduced to zero hit points, you can drop to one hit point instead. At the start of your next turn, you regain 2d4 plus 2 hit points. Yay! What do you guys think? Eris from uh, Final Fantasy VII. Hey, Cloud, Aww. where's that phoenix down? <laughs> <laughs> I really could have used one back there. Oh, man. I think, it's just, I think it's a great way of knowing that if you're going to go into this adventure and you think there's a high chance that you're going to get killed, this is a great way to come back and go, nope, and you just leave. 
Yeah. Um, and what's cool is it not only does it keep you from <laughs> dropping unconscious, but it also yeah. heals you a little bit. Um, a whole healing potion's worth, actually. So depending on what level you give this to at, it'll be more or less effective. Mm-hmm. But um, this is actually based off a class feature in Spellbreak. In Spellbreak, the fire, the the pyromancy class has the Phoenix Rebirth feature that when you die in a battle royale, usually you don't come back to life. Um, this allows you to resurrect with half your hit points. So I was like, man, that's dope. That'd be an awesome consumable. Um, and the fact that it's a consumable, you can give it uh, away without fear of it unbalancing your game more than for a round. <laughs> <sighs> the digital is dangerous. I'm probably going to die again. Go, 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 go. <laughs> down it down. Uh, any other notes on this? What do you guys, anything you think's cool? Would you like something like this? Would you hate something like this? I, I think it'd be a fun item. And labeling it as very rare is probably appropriate too. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do <laughs> it for our magic item, the Phoenix Rebirth Potion. Our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast is... Ending a campaign. A campaign doesn't need to go all the way to level 20. Ending at 5th or 15th can be just as satisfying. You know, whenever your story reaches its natural conclusion is really where you want to try to to wrap it up. If you see the end approaching and the characters are getting close to one of those, you know, main levels, the 5, 10, or 15th, or even maybe 20th, um, if you decide to go that far, consider stretching it out just enough to hit, hit hit that top mark. Um, that way you have a nice um, soft landing spot once you reach the climax if they decide to take those characters again further some other time. Um, this works best with the milestone method, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, because you can just say, okay, you beat the bat- big baddie, poof, you're level 5 or level 10 or whatever. Um, and it can be done with XP, but I feel like XP balancing is a little, it's a little rougher to deal with and anticipate. Um, regardless of the level, though, uh, make sure that you finish up any PC's personal goals before you close out a campaign, because that's what's really important to those players. You want to ensure that um, Jimmy manages to collect whatever you know artifact his family he's been hunting down or something like that. And if you can tie it into the climax, that helps. That helps. But don't just make everyone's problems re- uh, resolved around that one that single event but uh if you have to go a little longer to make sure that that happens um make sure you do that but having a good stopping point and changing i know that we're getting close to the end of the storm king's thunder right now and mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to doing dragon heist next um and i'll be honest that is uh storm king's thunder is a very big book mm-hmm. and we skip probably half of it mm-hmm. um there, <laughs> There's just so much content. That means if I decide I want to go back and do it again, I can. And there's plenty of other routes to take to do it. So uh, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master Tip of the Podcast, ending a campaign. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't Don't be be a a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by protected concentration. What I mean by that is uh, a melee sword and board character utilizing the protection fighting style is a powerful tool alongside a spellcaster who is concentrating on a spell. If you don't know, the protection fighting style allows you to impose disadvantage on any attack um, made against that character when you use your expend your reaction. So things like Bane and Bless that the cleric is focusing on will less likely be disrupted if you as the um, sword and board fighter or paladin or what, whatever class you've got that has this feature um, is working right alongside of them. Protect me, feather. Why should I do that? Do, do you want to keep haste? Darn it! <laughs> <laughs> you can also utilize this for good team building, right? Um, if the ro- ranger is in melee along with the, the, the fighter with the sword and board, and they're concentrating on Hunter's Mark, right? That takes a spell slot. Rangers don't have a lot. So if you no. can help in help reduce them from A, taking damage, and stop it from interrupting their spell casting... Um, and interrupting the, whatever they're focusing on is a huge benefit to the to the crew as a whole. So if you are considering a sword and board um, build, you don't want to just be a frontline fighter. Find a way to be that frontline fighter, but also use your skill to defend the person who's probably applying a powerful buff or debuff to the battlefield. Um, what do you guys think about that? Do you have any other uh, points on that? I do think that is a funny style that doesn't get enough love. But that said, too, though, they do place a few restrictions on it here and there that makes it harder to utilize. Right. I like the idea. I think it's very helpful. And which part was it that I just saw? Something about the cleric dealing 
Here it is. Uh, protecting a cleric who is concentrating on the bane or blessed spell. These buff debuffs can last significantly longer if the cleric is drawn to melee combat. Does that mean if he's in melee combat or melee range? Yeah. That they that makes those spells last longer. No. If you get hit within a spell, you have to make a con- or if you get hit while concentrating, um, you have a chance to lose the spell that right. you're concentrating on. So by being in melee with somebody who imposes disadvantage on somebody attacking the cleric means they're less likely to hit him, which means it's not going to get disrupted. Oh, okay. Because I'm blocking you from taking the attack, basically. Um, and, and that's really the point. If the cleric is off in a distance, and you're the frontline sword board guy, and you see somebody charging towards him, run over there, and, and even if you have to take an op attack, um, it's much better to, for a, a stronger character to, ta- uh, to absorb an opportunity attack, and it be able to impose... Um, disadvantage on somebody attacking the cleric who's running, what'd you say, haste? Is that a concentration? Yeah. Haste or bless or bane that's debuffing or buffing the party because in the end, or even a druid with fairy fire, you know, um, it's, it, you have to weigh those in battle. And as a sword and board character, one of your most powerful features can be to make those spells last longer um, by pre- making sure they don't get interrupted or uh, broken. So. Well, then, yeah, that's, that's a good tactic. Mm-hmm. Very good tactic. Um, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. <laughs> Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by protecting those who are concentrating on spells. Got you know it. I like I liked the DM's tip this week. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Because uh, it, it, I like the idea of ending a campaign on a solid level. It helps players understand, okay, this is the end. Whereas if you end on, like, level eight or something like that somewhere in between you're like okay is there is there gonna be more it makes you think straight back to sword art online <laughs> when uh credo fights heathcliff and they haven't even reached the 100th level, level yet yeah. and like okay what's at the top fucking level you guys can't just stop it right here <laughs> i you, was so mad you find out what's at the top level yeah and uh the movie and the movie we had to wait for the movie yeah that was was pretty sad. yeah you didn't see it no oh dude it was really good yeah they use augmented reality instead of full dive, which okay. is pretty dope. Yeah, it's really good. They did. You know, I was I was worried that they wouldn't be able to get the emotion back because you know death was a thing. Yeah. Well, they found a way to bring that emotion back into it. So that'll do it for our show today. Before we close out, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. Steven, Steven, Steven. A small village, empty of villages except for one boy, found sitting and weeping next to a jester's pageant wagon. The boy explains that the villagers, including his family, followed a jester into the wagon and never came out. What madness could the adventurers face? Can they save the villagers? Or will they go mad trying? Can you survive the madhouse of Tasha's kiss? Brandon, who's our winner today? <laughs> uh, our winner for Jesse's prize is your Din H. I think this would be like your dinner, but I don't, dinner? Know, I don't know. <laughs> Congratulations, your dinner. <laughs> if you enjoy the adventure, please let Jeff Stevens know. Uh, leave them a review. That'll do it for our show today. Please join us on our next episode where we hear your feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing ancestral weapons, rules for building scaling heirloom weapons. Early on in one of our show, one of our episodes, we talked about evolving weapons. That's pretty much what these are, so stick around for that. If you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us uh, at critacademy.com. Or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Great Academy. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Great Academy. And if you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. And obviously that feedback does help help us out. Mm. Yeah, very really much does. so. Mm. It makes us feel better about uh, ourselves. That's right. <laughs> also be sure to give us a like and a share. If you would like to support the show, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Academy, Or you can click the link on our website at criticademy.com. Some little special uh, rewards for doing so. Such as enjoying our show live recordings as we record and kind of talk and chit chat with us like our patrons today. 
Um, or you, Brandon does uh, Dakes commissioned art. You can get full body color art and shoulder line art. Um, head on over to Facebook.com and click on our. Will you stop making noises? <sighs> or you can buy some swag. Go to our website, click the, the, the shop button, buy a t-shirt with our name on it, a pillow, and you can go to bed with us every night and the, <laughs> our voices in the side, inside your ear, ear, ear hole. Yes. Go to sleep. Oh, that escalated quickly. I'd love to do that. Just make, make a body pillow of all three of us and see how we get sold. <laughs> we could cut out a hole in Brandon's mouth. <laughs> Um, make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy. Uh, <laughs> fuck damn you. It. Make, make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as be entered uh, to win cool prizes each and every single week. You'll also find links to our fellowship members there as well. If you're not checked out Interparty Conflict, uh, those guys over there, Gabe and Jeff, do a fantastic job of answering your questions and bringing you the best tabletop experience possible. Also check out uh, D&D Character Lab. Um, Garen and Dan create very complex and intricate D&D characters every week. Argue over whose baby is better. Uh, and of course, we have our new most recent uh, podcast joiner. We have the Brute Force and Ignorance actual play podcast. Uh, those guys do an awesome transatlantic uh, D&D show. So definitely check them out. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Brandon. I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.